Well, I know it's belated, but Merry Christmas. I hope each and every one of you had a great time celebrating with family and friends. I know the Masons did, and we probably did a lot of the same things that you did. How, how many of you decorated your house or at least watched your spouse decorate your house? Okay, that's what I did at my house. How many of you watched your favorite Christmas movies? And if you're wondering, National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation is the best Christmas movie. How many of you ate way too much food? And that includes all that fudge that I ate. Uh, how many of you opened up lots of presents? Okay, wishing you had the receipt for a few of those? Okay, don't say it out loud, the person sitting next to you. Uh, how about listen to your favorite Christmas songs over and over and over again? And Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas album does not count. <laughs> but don't you just love Christmas time and all the festivities that go along with it? One of those is, is Christmas parties. Shelly and I were invited to a record eight Christmas parties this year. And I'm sure many of you were invited to several Christmas parties. You probably even hosted a couple of those yourselves. So I have a question for you this morning. Who is the most uh, famous person who has ever came to your Christmas party? Whether it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, who's the most important guest to have ever come to your home at Christmas? Now, Shelly and I have never had anyone super important show up to our Christmas celebration, but I want you just to imagine with me this morning that this guy was, you heard a knock at the door, and this guy, Tiger Woods, was standing at your door in his Christmas PJs with a pecan pie in his hand. That would make for a pretty interesting Christmas celebration. Maybe you're not a Tiger Woods fan, but what if this guy was at your door? <laughs> when you heard the knock. And he was bringing in this fresh, already decorated Christmas tree. Well, maybe those two guys aren't your favorite. Let's go a little more regal. What if you heard a knock and this lady <laughs> was standing at your front door with a pumpkin pie in her hands and she's going to come in and celebrate Christmas with you. Now, if any of these three super important, super famous people came to your party, that would make for a very interesting Christmas party. And if you told me that one of these people had come to your home to celebrate Christmas for you, with you, the first thing I would want to know is why, okay? Why would they come to your home at Christmas time? But when we think about it, we've all had someone super important come to our home at Christmas. We sing about it every year. We hear these lyrics and we sing these lyrics. Sometimes we think about the lyrics that we sing and sometimes we don't. But I want you to listen to some of the lyrics that we sing in the Christmas songs, some of our favorites. Silent night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child. Holy infant so tender and mild i'm going to skip around a little bit but christ the savior 
is born. Son of God loves pure light. What about O Holy Night? We sing things like, The King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger. Christ is the Lord, O praise his name forever. In God rest ye merry gentlemen, we sing this day is born a Savior, the Son of God by name. What about Mary did you know? Mary did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Oh, Mary, did you know? And lastly, and I could go through a lot of other Christmas songs, but hark the herald angels sing. We sing things like, Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead we see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Glory to the newborn king. Oh church, if I'm not careful, I can miss this. I can sing these songs and let simple nostalgia take over. I can miss the significance that the most important person in all of creation came to my home at Christmas. I can miss that Jesus left his home in heaven, being adored by myriads of angels, and came to my residence on that very first Christmas. The special guests and the songs that we sing who came to our home earth at Christmas is Jesus. A holy infant, the Savior, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord, the Lord of all creation. He's the ruler of all nations, heaven's perfect lamb. He is the great I am, the everlasting Lord, the second person of the Godhead, incarnate deity. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is a newborn king. This is the most important guest than we could ever have imagined who would show up at our home on Christmas because there is none greater than him. And even more than I would want to know why Tiger Woods or The Rock or Queen Elizabeth would come to your home at Christmas, I really want to know why Jesus would come to your home at Christmas. If I were to ask you the question right now, why did Jesus come? How would you respond? Because I tell you that your answer will reveal what you truly believe is the reason for the season that we all just celebrated. And this is precisely the question that I want us to answer together this morning. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come to our home at Christmas? And so to do that, we should pray. So pray with me. Father, we thank you for sending the Son to us. Jesus, we thank you for voluntarily 
coming to us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that Mary was found to be with child from you. And as we praise you, Father, Son, and Spirit, we ask that you would bless our time in the Word this morning. That as we listen to Jesus, who was the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us, I pray that we would clearly see why it is that God would come into the world that he created as an infant. So bless us, we pray. Amen. So why would Jesus do this? Why would he come? Now it would be one thing if I told you why I think that he came, but instead of me telling you, I'm going to let Jesus speak for himself. It just seems right to go directly to the source. I was going to say get it straight from the horse's mouth, but that did not seem appropriate. <laughs> Applied to Jesus after I just told you all the things he is. But I want to hear from him. So why did Jesus say that he came? And there are at least four places in the Gospels where Jesus explicitly tells us in his own words why he came. And we're going to look at each of these this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Mark chapter 1. If you don't, the verses will be behind me on the screen. And we read in Mark 1.38, And he, Jesus, said to them, let us go down to the towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. So in this passage, Jesus says that the reason he came was to preach. So what was Jesus preaching? If we back up just a few verses in Mark 1, we read what it was that Jesus was preaching. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. If we turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we read, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? The gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Luke 8, 1. So afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Do you, do you notice the pattern? Jesus was preaching the gospel, the good news. His sermons were evangelistic, he was calling people to repentance and belief. So if Jesus says in Mark 1.38 that the reason he came was to preach and what he came to preach was the gospel, then we can conclude that Jesus came to share the gospel. That's the first reason that Jesus tells us for why he came is to share the gospel. Now, I want us to look at another place in Scripture where Jesus tells us why he came. Luke 19, verse 10. Jesus says to them, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus says that he came because he was on a search and rescue mission for those who were lost. So who are the lost that Jesus came in search of? Who did he need to rescue? I think Matthew 18 helps us out. He's, this is where we read, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep 
and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it, more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So from the parable, the answer to the question, who needed rescuing, is any sheep who has gone astray. Have you ever gone astray? I sure have. So Jesus came on a search and rescue mission for you and for me. Now growing up unchurched, I did not like the term lost. Especially when my Christian friends would use it to describe me. It made me feel like there was something wrong with me or that I was less than. But that's mainly because I did not understand it from Jesus' perspective. You see, you only search for something that is lost if it's valuable to you. I've never known anyone to turn their house upside down looking for a lost penny. But I sure would expect it if they had lost a crisp new $100 bill. Listen to how Jesus puts it in Luke 15. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and diligently look for it until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the lost coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The language used in both of these parables describe great joy. Both the man and the woman rejoice over finding that which was lost. And the words of these passages communicate that the lost sheep and the lost coin were considered extremely valuable. The owners loved them. They cherished them. So now, as a believer, loss takes on a whole new meaning for me. God, who is the owner in both parables, recognizes that I have gone astray, that I was lost, and he leaves the comfort of the 99. He leaves heaven to search for me. The one, because he loves me. He knows that without his help, I am in great danger, that I will perish. So Jesus leaves heaven to rescue lost loved ones like me. This is the second reason given by Jesus for why he came. He came to save the lost. We have two of our four reasons now to share the gospel and to save the lost. And we find the third in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But then he says, I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says here that the reason that he came was to give life. And not just partial life. 
not just an average life, not even a good life. No, he says he came to give an abundant life. So what is the abundant life? Pastor and John Piper describes it as deep soul satisfaction. Think about that description. Deep soul satisfaction. Isn't that what we all long for? Isn't that what we are all trying to find? He goes on to say that the abundant life is not about having stuff. It's about having peace, having joy, having God. We all know that money does not ultimately satisfy. We all know that success does not ultimately satisfy. We all know that physical relationships do not ultimately satisfy. We all know that power does not satisfy. None of these ultimately satisfy. But the abundant life that Jesus came to give goes so deep that our souls are completely and utterly satisfied. Nothing else needs to be added. And this satisfaction will never fleet. It will never end. It will be eternal for our satisfaction will culminate in inexpressible joy in God with him for eternity. So the third reason that Jesus gave for his coming is that Jesus came to give life. He came to share the gospel. He came to save the lost and he came to give life. Now I told you that was four reasons that Jesus gave for his coming. And we find the last in John chapter 18, verses 37 through 38. Then Pilate said to him, so you're a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is the truth? It doesn't get more plain than this. Jesus at his trial, being questioned by Pilate, provides a clear reason for why he came. He gives Pilate the reason for the season. He says he came to bear witness to the truth. So what is the truth that Jesus was born to bear witness to? Because Pilate asked him that in verse 38, but no answer is given. But I think the lack of response may have been because Pilate asks the wrong question. Pilate asks, what is the truth? When he should have been asking, who is the truth? Because in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says that he is the truth. And he is the life that we looked at in the third reason for why he came. So Jesus came to bear witness of himself. That he is the long-awaited Messiah. And that the only way to heaven 
the only way to God, the only way to that abundant life is through him. Listen to how he puts it back in chapter 10 of John. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. He is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The truth is that Jesus is the truth. He's the long-awaited Messiah. And those who believe in him hear his voice. They know him and are known by him. And because they know him as the truth, they follow him. This is the truth that Jesus came as an infant to bear witness to. And the good news is for all those who follow him, their eternal life is eternally secure. God himself, who is greater than all, holds on to them so tightly that they are eternally safe. Church, this is the good news. And the fourth reason that Jesus says that he came. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. So to recap, the four reasons that Jesus gave for his coming to our home at Christmas. This most important guest who came to our residence from his own words are that Jesus came to share the gospel. Jesus came to save the lost. Jesus came to give life. And Jesus came to bear witness. And all four of these reasons that Jesus gave from his own mouth as to why he came into this world as a child can be summarized into one word, gospel. Jesus came because of the gospel. And the gospel reality is this, that God, Father, Son, and Spirit have been in a perfectly loving relationship for all eternity past. And as they were sharing in this perfect community of love, and because God is love, they wanted to share this perfect love with others. So they created. They created people to share their perfect love with. And in the beginning, it was not just good. It was very good. God was per uh, perfectly loving his people, and they were loving him in return. But in great tragedy, they betrayed their perfect lover. Instead of trusting in God's love and depending upon him for every good thing, they trusted in another. They cheated on God. And in their desire to be independent of God, they betrayed their perfect lover. And like every betrayal, their relationship was broken at the moment of their unfaithfulness. They had been unfaithful to the one whom had been wholly faithful to them. And this betrayal was greater than all other betrayals because it was not merely against another human. No, this betrayal was against God, a holy and eternal God, a perfect lover. Their betrayal resulted in complete separation from his goodness and love and placed them under his wrath for all eternity future. 
because it is completely impossible for humans to make up for the betrayal that they committed against God. But what is impossible with man is completely possible with God. So our perfectly loving and faithful God decided to pursue. He would pursue those who had been unfaithful to him. And since they could not make up for their own betrayal, God would make up for it himself. Jesus, who is God, stepped out of heaven on that very first Christmas day. He was born as a baby, fully man while fully God, the incarnate deity. And he lived a perfectly faithful life that we had not. And he died as our substitute on the cross. The faithful one took on the wrath of the faithless ones. The consequence that their betrayal deserved was taken fully by Jesus. You see, Christmas would lead to Easter. Now, Adam and Eve are not the only people who have betrayed God. Every person who has ever lived has betrayed him in some way or another. I have. You have. Whether it's a small thing like telling a little white lie as a child or going behind a friend's back and gossiping about them to big things like sex out of marriage, violence, or infidelity. You see, we've all been unfaithful to God. And God pursues us today just like he did the very first humans. But we're not reconciled to God simply because God pursues. No, we have a choice to make. Will we turn towards him as he pursues us in love? Will we admit that we have been unfaithful to him? Will we repent? Will we accept such lavish love from God? And will we commit to being faithful to him going forward? You see, we must respond to such lavish love from God. We must respond to his pursuits for our relationship to be restored just like any other relationship. So will you accept his pursuits of you? I want to pause for a moment and ask every person to bow their head and close their eyes. With no one looking, I want to provide the opportunity for anyone here today who has never accepted God's pursuit of them. You've never admitted to God that you have been unfaithful to him, but you want to today. You want your relationship to God to be fully restored and you want to be faithful to him the rest of your life. So right now with your eyes closed, simply tell God that you are truly sorry for your unfaithfulness to him. Tell Jesus that you know that he came at Christmas to rescue you and that he is your only hope for salvation. Tell the Holy Spirit that you want him to restore you to that perfect, loving relationship that you were created to enjoy. And the whole church says amen. If you prayed that prayer today, then at the close of our service, I want to encourage you to tell the friend that you came with. If you didn't come with a friend, I would love for you to come and tell me. You see, when we accept Jesus' work on our behalf, our relationship with God is fully restored. That perfect 
loving relationship that God created us to enjoy is ours once again. And that is worth celebrating with others. So church, this is why Jesus came. Jesus came because of the gospel. Jesus came to share the gospel. Jesus came to save the lost by the gospel. Jesus came to give life through the gospel. Jesus came because he is the truth and he is the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus, who is God himself, the second person of the Holy Trinity, emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is the reason for the season. This is the meaning of Christmas. In church, Jesus came because of the gospel. And we go because of the gospel. Are you willing to go? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about going across the world as an international missionary. Some of us, we will do this. We will be called to this. But not all of us. But all of us are to go. To go across the street to our neighbor's homes. Are you willing to go and share the gospel with your neighbor? Are you willing to go across the street? Are you willing to go across the office or the cubicle next to you? Will you go and share with a coworker the hope of the gospel? Will you go to your family, those family members who do not yet know Christ as Savior? Will you share the gospel with a family member? You see, Jesus has given each and every one of us the privilege of carrying on his gospel legacy. The legacy that he came at Christmas for. And that we would be bearers of that gospel to others. Again, because he came at Christmas, we go. If Jesus was willing to step out of heaven to bring the gospel to us, shouldn't we go out into the world to take his gospel to others? If you are, then you truly do grasp the reason for the season. And this is why as a church, our 2019 priority was worth it. You guys remember that, that Jesus is worth it. Heaven is worth it, whatever he calls us to do. And because he is worth it, we are eager to offer this hope to the people God has placed in our lives. That's been our annual priority for the whole year. And just because 2019 is coming to a close doesn't mean that this comes to a close as well because this is our great call. Jesus came because of the gospel and we go because of the gospel. So I'm gonna give you a sneak peek of what our annual priority is for 2020 that Larry's gonna roll out next Sunday. It's engage. So because Jesus is worth it, we engage. These go hand in hand. 
listen to the fuller priority. We engage that we would love our neighbors in our community with compassion and hospitality and take the risk to speak to them of Christ. You see how these are inseparable and are rooted in the reality that Jesus stepped out of heaven and he came to earth as an infant and he came to share the gospel and to save the lost and to give life and to bear witness. And because he came, we go. If you're looking for a New Year's resolution, this has to be at the top of the list. That you would love another enough to share with them this lavish love that God offers every one has to be at the top of the list. So church is at this table that we together remember the gospel of Jesus. We remember that this child who came to our home and knocked on the door at Christmas, who grew up living the righteous life that none of us were able to live, at the end of that life, at the end of that righteous life, he would take bread. And after giving thanks, he would break it, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this also in remembrance of me. You see, the gospel that Jesus came to bring as a child will require his life to be sacrificed as a substitute as an adult. So as we come to this table, we remember the gospel. We celebrate the gospel. And we proclaim the gospel until his return. For this is why Jesus came at Christmas.